Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alicia Bootes, and I have a PhD in Chemistry and Polymer Science. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world, and we will talk to them about how their work is contributing to our daily lives. I hope you enjoy the conversation and that you learn something new. Today, we are speaking with Hamza Ashraf. She obtained a master's degree in regenerative medicine at the University of Suffolk and currently works as a researcher at a children's cancer hospital in Cairo, Egypt. Her previous work revolved around stem cell research and cancer treatments, but her current work focuses more on bone tissue engineering, specifically with treating long bone defects. These defects can be caused by removing tumors or caused by traumatic injuries. The goal for bone tissue engineering is to replace the diseased or damaged bone tissue with a functional tissue substitute. These substitutes are made from biopolymers that are used as scaffolds to contain cells and bioactive molecules, which assist in the regeneration of the tissue. Hamza uses 3D bioprinting technology to create these biopolymer scaffolds. If you'd like to check out her work and follow her on social media, I'll be linking her Instagram in our show notes. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. And you? <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Yeah, it's so great to officially meet you in person, see you face to face. Thank you, yeah. thank you so much for granting me an interview and, and your time on a Saturday morning. I really appreciate it. I'm very, very honored to be with you to your podcast. It's actually my first time to be in the podcast. Oh, awesome. So it's interesting. An exciting experience. There's so many people that are interested in your line of work. You wouldn't believe. It's so fascinating. Really? Oh. Yeah, tissue well, engineering, uh, especially. I'm, I'm actually want to, to open my YouTube channel, you know, because I found that a lot of people, they're trying to ask me questions, and I can't write everything, you know, in the post, you know, exactly. so I need a video to talk about it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and the thing is, like, even people from the public that don't even have a science background, it's just fascinating to hear about. Firstly, are you, where are you now? Are you with family during the lockdown? Do you still have lockdown? Or how yeah. is your setup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, actually now with my family, like, uh, I just completed my master's in the UK, you know, in England, and then oh. I came back to my family. So you managed so, to come uh, back before the lockdown and everything? Yes, yes, oh, yes thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Eh? I was feeling great, you know, like, I was like, oh, thank you, God. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm now with my family, and that's a good thing. Imagine, <laughs> 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 like, I was in England or something, like, it's gonna be too hard for me <laughs> to stay, you know? No, I, I agree. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you have, like, very strict rules with the lockdown still? Do you have, like, no. regulations? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Egypt is not very, you know, strict about it. But, you know, like, they they always tell people, okay, stop by 9 uh, p.m. And oh, then, right. you know, the lockdown starts from 9 p.m. Yes. But people, they don't really, you know, go with the laws or uh, with the rules that they give us. But, yeah. <laughs> we... You know, like, it's full open. Yes. Oh, no, with us, it's more, there's rules. Uh, the people are just like, it's more like guidelines. 
<laughs> the people here in South Africa, we are, if the rules don't make sense, <laughs> then we use them as a guideline. <laughs> but yeah, the people are trying to stay to the rules, but you can see the, the people, they want to social, they want to be, yeah, they want to yeah, come out of their houses now and start becoming more exactly, warm and exactly. open. Yeah, It's actually yeah, now that I'm talking to you without a mask, I'm feeling so weird about it, you know? <laughs> like, I haven't been talking face-to-face -face with someone without a mask. It's so interesting. <laughs> Feels like there's something missing. <laughs> the, you're currently working at a children's cancer hospital, right? Yep, yes. That's yes, so yes. cool. How is, how is that? Uh, okay, so basically it's because it's children cancer hospital. Yeah. So um, people they get uh, people they get cancer, different types of cancer. But I'm actually under the orthopedic uh, department. So uh, when children get cancer, most probably we will uh, take part of the bone, or we, uh, you know, just take part of it, or go to the surgery and. Uh, we just take this part and we form a defect, a defect in this uh, bone. So uh, like you manufacture a defect, like you almost like create. A uh, defect. Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, okay. So because you're taking okay. the tumor part, you know, you want to take this tumor part apart or resect it from the bone, for example, and uh -huh. so you form a defect. So what you can do with this, you. Uh, you either put it metal inside it, you know, that's actually what always happens. You put metal for, for, like, for the child and it's very, very harsh for him because, or for her, because you have to, because for example, if, it, if it's a children, they grow every year, you know? So if you, you have to, they go to surgery every year to, to just, you know, give them the metal that, that's okay, that's good for their defect or that, that, um, it's, it's when they grow, they they size they get they get growing and they getting oh. higher in in height. So you have to mm. change it every year, you know. The other uh, option, yeah, the other option is you go for autograft. You know, you get another bone from their uh, from their body, wherever bone is it, and then you put the put it inside this defect. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's yep. a, it's very hard, you know, and it's not uh, very applicable for the children. Uh, that's actually a fair point like people don't even think about that like it's uh it's not like you're just putting it in there and it stays there for 10 years <laughs> it's not like it's a, a, a continuous surgery and continuous invasive exactly. procedures oh. yeah especially for children so that's why we go uh for uh, tissue engineering it was it was actually started we started on 2019 like you know december uh, and um, it just came by luck, you know, the doctor, the PI, Dr. Ahmed, he just told me like, okay, Hamza, I know that you're doing regenerative medicine, so please come because we want to start departments here in Egypt. And it was the first time, I think, I think it's the first department in Egypt here. Uh, so yeah, so what we planned is we, we want to get the 3D by printers and then we got it and then we, we okay, we thought about why don't we uh, make a bone, okay, like in the lab. A part of the bone, like for example, if the the children has a defect, okay, for this type of dimension, so you start to bring to make biomaterial the same size of this defect with the cells, with the own uh, person cells. Like for example, if you want to talk about stem cells, uh, we get it from their uh, humerus or their bone marrow. 
okay wow. yeah and then we we get these type of cells and then we make the the, the scaffold which is um uh, which is made of biomaterial so if i maybe tell you what is the scaffold is so um okay so if for example if you wanted to think about the the cells uh we want to make the scaffold looks like the natural ecm so what is the ecm is the extracellular matrix uh right. in your in your uh, body you have this uh, environment around your cells cells doesn't doesn't migrate or doesn't grow alone they have to have an environment uh that's around it it's like a ground you know like for, if, for example if you're ground you step in it's not it's not uh, in, in, in suitable for you you can't move from place to another okay yes, you can't yeah. get transport so this is the same thing like scaffold uh so yeah so we make like this a, scaffold. another growth agent but like a, a growth medium for the cells to exactly so, so it can yeah so it can communicate with each other it can move it can yeah. migrate so like that um so you mentioned the 3D printing and that's the thing that I'm very very interested in as well because um, I have my, a brother that does 3D printing but um, when oh. I mentioned to him that does he know that there are something like 3D bioprinting nowadays uh, he was like completely yeah. gobsmacked he was like what because he does uh, 3D printing for um, characters and 3D modeling for um, you know yeah, gameplay yeah. Uh, g game characters and he even like prints masks okay. for people for Halloween. He has like a little Amazing. side project. Amazing. So he enjoys that yeah. very much. So like even people like that are interested in your work, <laughs> just so you know. So <laughs> graphic designers and architecture people are interested. Um, but uh, can you maybe just explain to me uh, the how the modeling, the, the actual, do you, are you involved with the 3D modeling on the computer? Uh, when the you know the, with the software, are you involved with that as well? Yep, 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 yep. Oh wow! Because in in Egypt, we there is not not a lot of people they working with bioprinters and regenerative medicine. So when they found me, they give me the all the work, <laughs> everything wow. about the bioprinter. That's like programming. That's like that's uh, very uh, intense you, work, isn't it? No, uh, okay. For the bioprinters, it's a bit different than uh, for grammar a graphic okay. designer all because. Right. Uh, they they trying to you know uh, they trying to make it uh, very simple for people like us because we don't know programming we don't know a lot of about computer science so yes, okay I, was wondering, wow, I have to learn machine learning as well yes. like what <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that that's why when we whenever we trying to uh, when we tried or when you choose the white printer that you want you need to think about all of that you think think about yes. okay if it's simple to use if you I can just you know, play with it without, you know, without this programming stuff. That's true. So, yeah. Like, yeah, you should make it accessible so that it's not like, a, you know, an expert that needs to come in each time and handle it. You know, it needs to be exactly. more broader available. Yes, you need, you need, of course, to take extensive training before, you know, you need to know that yes. how it works out and everything so that it doesn't, uh, you know, anything happen wrong. So you be, you know, in the steps yeah. of knowing what is the prior print. So basically, the, the process is start with the pre-processing, which is you uh, trying to um, take the image of the defect that you want to do or they want to uh, feel or fill it. So, um, so you take the dimension of the defect, you take the dimension and the size of it through images like uh, CT scans, you know, stuff like lab tests, uh, like as normal. And then you put oh, yeah. these uh, dimensions. It's because it's very simple. The bioprinters. You just have to put 
the, the CT scans or the images that you want. And then uh, the boy printer, they're supposed to take all the dimensions that you want. Okay, special dimension with, with the microstructures and everything like that. And then you go to the, post, uh, the, the, the processing itself, which is you put your cells, you put your bio material, as I said, the scaffold and stuff. And then you, uh, after this, you get the, the printed um, uh, organ or tissue uh, that has the same dimension as the pre-processing. And then after this, you go for post-processing, which is basically you leave this organ or tissue for maturation. For example, if it's stem cells, you need to leave it until it goes to your desired uh, tissue because, you know, stem cells are the godfather, so they can go to different types of um, uh, cells. You know, you can go yeah, to... Yeah, Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you have to wait until it goes to the bone cells, which is under certain conditions, in the bioreactor, which is basically an, an environment that has to good temperature, the optimum temperature and optimum pH. And wow. uh, yeah, so, so the cells can grow and feels like, feel like it's like its body, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you leave it too much rate and then you uh, take it and it's ready for implantation. That's basically how wow. it goes. You make it sound so yeah. simple. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to lower any uh, like scientific yeah, okay. words as much as I can, yeah. <laughs> Just so people understand, it's not so simple. <laughs> How long does it take you? How long does the procedure with that whole procedure take? Okay, so it actually differs uh, upon different factors. So first of all, it depends upon your dimension. I mean, like if it's, if it's small, if it's large, it depends because, for example, if it's large one, it maybe takes an hour. Uh, for example, four centimeters, it's like an hour or five hours, something like that. And also it depends what type of bio printer you use. So uh, we have like, we have inkjet bio printer, which is works by light or works by thermal uh, uh, energy. We go with the uh, extrusion, which is goes by pressure. We have also the third type, which is uh, the laser bio printer. We have the fourth type, which is uh, SLT or uh, slide through graphene, so uh, which is works by photosensitive uh, energy or some photosensitive process. So, uh, for example, the angel and pressure they are much slower than using the laser or the SLT, because you know the the inkjet and pressure they have the nozzle or the head, so you. For the uh, uh, for the material to get printed, they have to go to the nozzle, and then you know it takes time to get formed. For the laser, it doesn't have a nozzle, doesn't have head. It just do it immediately. It doesn't have to take a lot of time like the other two. But uh, for us, we use the extrusion ones because this is the most uh, used one. Uh, even in the most of the applications, most of the companies they they uh, they sell extrusion by printers. Uh, which works by pressure. Uh, it's it's uh, the, you you can get good quality uh, by printed as well as it's cheaper than the laser and SLT. You know, by printers are very very expensive, so you need to look for the one that you know applicable that you can use. So uh, so yeah, so it was uh, it's it's much cheaper and at the same time as I told you, you get good quality by printed. Yeah, it's like how much. Ugh. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this question, so you can stop me. But just in the, in the price range, how much does an average 3D bioprinter cost? 
you know like i can i can give you a range but um I remember that uh, because you know it's more to doctor uh, the PI who always work with this stuff of course, but I can think about maybe uh, six million or kind of that, but Egyptian, yeah, Egyptian. So uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's different. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's it's very very expensive, you know, like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay, so. Do you also refer to the materials that you use for the 3D bioprinting? Do you also refer to that as bio-ink? Okay, so, so it's, it's different. So bio-ink, it's basically you putting the cells and the material together, so you bioprint it. Uh, uh, Biomaterial only without, يعني, I mean like bio-ink, it's the cells and the biomaterial together. You put it in one head, for example. Okay? Yeah. But okay. sometimes we, we do, like, uh, especially for our case, uh, like the polymers we use, it needs a lot of high temperature, so you can't put the cells with the biomaterial. You need to put, put it in different heads. So either you put it in different heads or you, or you bioprint the material itself without the cells, and then you do it manually. You self-seed it on the biomaterial. Okay, that's yeah. very interesting. Um, there are probably some limitations to 3D bioprinting, right? Like in terms of... How how yeah. large the scaffolding can be and and that type of thing. So was there any is there limitations? Uh, okay, so if you think about the limitations, as I told you, expensive. It's really expensive. So not everyone can afford to get it. Uh, for the time being, I think by the next uh, years it's gonna be a lot cheaper. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's getting expensive. Also, you need training. You need to get trained. You need to get like for one to two months, you know, training about how the bioprinter works and to know each details about it. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's yes, as we said, it's simple, but it needs a lot of work to think about. Uh, uh, not like other techniques, you know, other techniques is a bit, you don't have to very, very go for training. Uh, the third uh, disadvantage I would think about is you can't print nanomaterials with uh, uh, bioprinter because uh, bioprinters uh, bio do mostly work with uh, micro or macro materials. Okay. They can't do it, they can't give you the fibrils uh, materials very, very nano. And when you go to more nano material, you getting a higher chance of cell attachment because that's how our body looks like. Because we're trying always, you know, to see how the body works, how the natural ACM works, to know, you know, to get as much as we can, uh, you know, the same uh, suitable for same environment for the cells. So, um, yeah. so in our, in our, uh, for example, our bone, we have the very, very nano collagen, uh, nanofibrils, or and the hydroxyapatite. So, you can't do this with bioprinters. You need another technique to go for it. You know, to get the this nano particles, yeah, or nano materials. Um, my previous work was about electrospinning, and uh, during my time with yeah, do you know electrospinning? <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yes, have you yeah. have you also done electrospinning before? Uh, you know, I just just uh, read about it material, but we plan to use it actually. Yeah, oh, it's such a it's such a useful tool. Um, during my yeah. time, I made chitosan nanofibers, and that was mostly for removing heavy metals from water. Um, but I also was kind of delving into the idea of going into a project where there is uh, electrospinning used for wound treatments. But there's also already companies that are making um, 
nanofibers for wound treatments and for especially for like burned victims and yeah. to help to grow the sample uh, the cells on the electrospinning uh, fibers you know so it's very interesting how useful that type of tool has become in other types of fields you know so yeah. i think um it's very, very relevant that you are saying this now because I'm so fascinated by it. And I've been uh, interested in that this field, the tissue engineering field, for from the beginning of my honors project. But unfortunately, never had the opportunity to really go into more detail with that. We need you. Study. Actually, we need you in tissue engineering. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get into this um, field. Yeah. <laughs> electrospinning please let me know yeah 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 finally yes i know someone very expert in it so that's that's great i'm so you know relieved now <laughs> you did your, you did your phd in it right yes yeah from my honors uh, it's been electrospinning all the way for the last six years seven years it's been electrospinning all the way <laughs> but never for tissue engineering <laughs> which is something i really really want to do but maybe in the future i'll do yeah talk to you about it yeah. so just this question is more just for interest sake but how fast is the regenerative process um, after the biopolymer scaffold uh, containing the bioactive molecules and cells is inserted into the test subject how long is the regenerative process then yeah so also like this depends on other factors too like your material mm -hmm. that you use you're using, for example, like natural polymers. Of course, if you're using natural ones, natural polymers, it's gonna your regenerative process will be much uh, quicker. Sometimes also synthetic can work as well, but it depends on the material itself. What is a uh, complex or how uh, the composite of the material itself. So um, that's one factor. Another thing is the cells. So if you're using, for example, uh, stem cells or you're using differentiated cells, so it all depends on these type of factors, you know? So, and also yeah. depends on the organ you know, you, you are trying to implement yeah. it. So for example, in our case, a bone, uh, it takes from 12, takes 12 weeks, you know, 12 to maybe, to maybe more than this to six months, for example, four to six months. Oh, wow, okay. So, so that's yeah, to... So is that to only yeah. grow the cells so that it will be ready for insertion or is that during the whole... It, it, no, it, 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 the regenerative process, it's inside the body. Oh, right. Okay, so it doesn't happen like in vitro and then gets inserted, inserted into the patient or the test subject. Uh, so it, it depends. And for example, stem cells, you can put... Uh, but actually, that's most properly will happen as you uh, leave the tissue to get differentiated, for example, the stem cells to get differentiated, and then you implement it. So for differentiation, it takes about like um, maybe 14 days, kind of that. Wow, it's actually crazy how fast that happens, you know, that this, the cells yeah. and how, how quickly everything just evolves and, you know, differentiate yes. so powerful you know like it just makes me amazed whenever i go to the cells and see the cells so yeah so th this is a this is a different process but if when it gets into the body the regenerative process itself like it takes time you know like for the because it's it's a foreign material that getting in your body so your body will react to it and say okay what is that you need to know what it is so you need to make sure that it doesn't get failed inside your uh, the implementation get, doesn't get failed in your body so, and it gets, uh, you know, cope with the environment inside your body. So it takes time to go to this process, you know. Yeah. So. 
But still, yeah. I mean, six months, that's not unreasonable. <laughs> that's not a very long time, yeah. considering all the things that has to happen before that, hey? You. Yeah, so that's why you need to really think about a lot what bone is really gonna put so you don't take a lot of time inside your body. It needs to be biodegradable, you know, different type of factors you need to think about it. Yeah, so let's talk about the scaffolding just for just a few minutes more. Uh, the type of biopolymer that you decide on, how do you decide on that and uh, what is the biopolymer that you selected for this? tissue engineering project yeah so it, it, it actually um, okay for us we we need to think always to go to as I said to the natural ECM what's happening in your body what type of uh, polymers uh, it's in or I mean what type of, uh, of uh, materials inside your body that works out so for example if you wanted to think about the bone so we have uh, in the bone you, you have the collagen you have the hydroxyapatite uh, they are just integrating together. That's how our ECM. It's mainly not not only collagen and hydroxyapatite, but mainly these are the type of the material inside your body. So we're trying to you know get similar to this. So for example, um, uh, for us we use natural polymers. As I said, collagen. We were trying to use some. The collagen is a bit hard to make, but we're trying to in the process to form it. We can use uh, synthetic polymers like P PLA or PCL. They are also good uh, yeah, to form this mechanical stability of the scaffold. And um, yeah, and it also can be biodegradable, so that's a good thing. And then, so, um, have you tested how long they take to degrade? Yep, yep, we need to do this. We need to do something. Yeah. So, what is, the, what is the timeline that you've seen for it to take? Uh, how long does it take? to degrade? So, it, 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 as I said, for the regenerative process, for example, um, uh, that happens in the, in the body, uh, six to uh, four to six months. So you need to be in this period of time. So it needs to degrade by the time, like at six months, yeah. it needs to be gone. Yeah. Right. It's that you need to really match the biodegradability with your t the new tissue formed. You know, so that's what we actually want to do. We get the scaffold with the cells. You put it, we implement, implant it into that defect, defect, and then uh, you wait for the cells to form the tissue. You know. Yeah. So as the tissue it gets formed, the scaffold need to be to biodegrade as yeah, the time goes. So it can replace with the the new tissue. <laughs> so that's that's perfect. Okay. So very very interesting. Um, this hasn't been tested on on actual people yet, right? In, in Egypt, not yet. In Egypt, right. you can't... Uh, uh, we, we're still in the animal uh, phase. We're still in the preclinical phase. Yeah. I, worked, uh, I worked with mice, actually. Yeah. In my undergrad, yeah. I worked with mice, and also in uh, my master's, I worked with... Uh, okay, very sad story. Uh, Chuck embryos, you know? So I have to... Wow. <laughs> I have to Sure. So that's, you have a lot of experience in this, uh, like working with like various types of species and in various yeah, types of lab conditions. Yeah, I worked in my undergrad and also then I worked in my asters. So it's all, it all started with research with uh, animals, you know? Yes. Yeah, well, it's necessary because, you know, these types of testing is crucial. I'm assuming that there's a lot of um, documentation that you need to fill in before you start with the testing. And yes, and you have to know each detail about the animal and each detail, what you're going to do with it. How many animal, animals? 
there is a lot of documentation you need to think about it you know before you go for ethical approval it has a lot of standards you know it's because of yes. the animal care yes. yeah yes yeah that's very interesting uh the next thing i just want to make sure that i'm not skipping over anything but we actually talked about electric spinning i actually mentioned it here uh for in case we for the other treatments, yes, yeah, we have electrospanning. Yeah. You have also um, freeze drying, if you know about it. Freeze drying. That was that was a crucial step for my project because I was working with chitin, and uh, I need to like separate the chitin nano whiskers from the chitin. Uh, you know, like uh, the amorphous region yeah. of the chitin needed wow. to be removed and things like that. So it was it was quite that, that was that and electrospanning. Oh, it was literally wow. my life for six oh. years. <laughs> So you have an electric spinning machine in your lab, right? Or well, we actually we actually planning to get one. Yeah, All right, you need to yet. acquire one. Yeah, but but the thing is, the good thing that we're working with um, uh, with engineer. Like you have tissue engineering, you have to have an engineer with you, but you know, because you need to think about what biomaterial you want to use, how you do the mechanical stability, how to do this biodegradability tests and all of that. So in their, uh, the engineers or the mechanical engineering department, they do have electrospanning. So that's a good thing. If you want to uh, go for electrospanning, we can go for it, you know, because that's w what we plan to, uh, to work also, as I told you about the nanomaterials. Yes, yeah, that's very yeah. important. Like that will help the tissue grow very fast and in a more controlled environment as well. There's so many types of electrospinning. Uh, are you going to select this, like, you know, ball spinning and vertical and horizontal? So there's like a lot yeah. of types of um, electrospinning that you can actually, you know, contemplate when you want to select a perfect type of oh. electrospinning for what uh, you're going to do. Oh, okay. So, and that has the voltage in these two, right? Because it always works yeah. with voltage, high voltage. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You work with very high voltage. Trust me, I, yeah. I know. <laughs> I was in the beginning when I was still a young student. I, I zapped myself quite a few times. Oh my god! <laughs> when you forget to ground the needle. <laughs> oh my word! Oh my god! Yes, I need to. Yeah, that's why I need to talk to you before I use it. You know, to tell me all of the tricks. I'll send you some articles about it if you want. So you've already talked about the types of cells and bioactive molecules that are being used for the biopolymer scaffold. But um, can I just ask you maybe to just mention those types of cells and bioactive molecules in case we've missed it? So what type okay. of cells and bioactive molecules um, are used in the biopolymer scaffolds and how are they chosen? Okay, so uh, as I said for the, for the cells, you got uh, stem cells and you got also oh, yes. differentiated cells. So either you uh, get the stem cells from the person's own cells, okay? From, for example, in our case, we use bone marrow to get the stem cells, the mesenchymal stem cells. And then we, uh, we, you know, we put the certain conditions for it to get differentiated. Or you can use, not using stem cells at all, but use the differentiated cells already from the, also from the uh, person's own cells. Uh, which is already bone cells, and then you put it in a scaffold. Uh, they have their own advantage or disadvantage. I mean, for, for the stem cells, you, the advantage of it, you can, uh, you can get a lot of it, you know, you can get and you can grow it as much as you can. But for the um, differentiated cells, it's a bit hard to do this. You have already limited a limited number for growing in... It, it, growing it in the lab, it's, it's harder than doing it for the stem cells. 
but uh, yeah but for the mesenchymal stem cells or the stem cells sometimes you need to uh, think about um, the disadvantage is um, you can't sometimes you can't control how they get differentiated so you need to make sure about this too for yes. differentiated cells the advantage of it it's already differentiated so you don't have to think about a lot you know about this yeah, yeah so this is for the cells and also you got um, uh, different types I mean uh, I mean okay for the cell this is actually the possible sources but for the type of the cells you have uh, autologous uh, which is from your own cells or allogenic which is from another person's cells okay or other patient cells you get exo, exo, uh, exogenic which is uh, from an animal or another species cells you know uh, and yep. also they have their advantages and disadvantages so yeah for for example for the latter yes. you'll have the problem of possible immune response Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then yes. for the the former, you might have like the issue that the person doesn't have enough cells to give, or enough uh, uh, what's the word tissue to donate from himself. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a few questions here that I, I had a few medical doctors send me some questions because um, when they heard that I was going to talk to you, they were like, oh, this is so interesting. And I sent them the article that you sent me. And, uh, <laughs> I love these questions. I love these science fiction questions. <laughs> so um, they wanted to know when you're doing the defects for the bones, when you're creating the, de the, de the, de the deformities of the bone, uh, are there any extent... Yeah. In, of damage that you will classify as not being able to be treated by via tissue engineering? Um, I could say for this question is um, I, I, for now for now to form the whole organ that's main limitation you know for, for example of the whole organ uh, they got uh, defect or yeah deformity for now, it's 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 still in the process to form this whole organ, but okay. but uh, tissue engineering it's 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 it can work with all of the defects, even if it's large one. People now they doing they trying to make it as I as I told you we can make scaffold four centimeters. We can make it different types of sizes. So, uh, so yeah. even if the whole femur is broken in like various places, it still will be possible. Yeah, you you can do it. We're still in the process, but um, yeah, I can't say you can't do this because it's actually happening. You know, we're trying to make it. We're trying to make it like uh, suitable for for the the patient, or even if it's a large defect or large deformity. Um, but just so as if the whole organ is giving in, that would probably not be able to be fixed as of yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's that's you need to really work in this. We're still people working in this part, you know, doing this whole organ thing. Yeah. Okay. Imagine in ten years if you're able to like print someone a heart. Oh my word. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 amazing, you know, if you think you don't have to care about the donors, you don't have to care about, you know, the time and it's it's gonna it's gonna really really save a lot of lives and uh, I wish and you know, I hope that's happening very near. It will be incredible. But yes, they, they yes. are actually making 
heart valves, which is also like a very big problem with most people. Like if they have a heart yeah. problem, it's usually the valve. So they're actually making yeah. heart valves from, you know, electrospinning yeah. and scaffold printing. And yeah. so that's incredible. That's already incredible in itself. So we're halfway there, I think. <laughs> exactly. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very optimistic about it. And I, I can say if 3D by printing or tissue engineering, it's going to be like a lot of improvements would happen the next decade. So, so yeah. So the mm-hmm. next question they wanted to know was, um, ooh, what would you consider to be the most difficult tissue or organ to engineer? <laughs> I think this is that also cool. based from the previous question of, can you print whole organs? <laughs> but if oh, you, yeah, yeah. is there anything that you would consider difficult or more complicated? I think you've actually mentioned like, the, comp- the, the complications that can occur with printing or tissue engineering, right? Yeah, and, and if you think about it, um, I can't say one hardest tissue because every, each t- or t- sorry, each organ, they have different, uh, you know, complexity, you know, like, for example, if you think about heart, oh, heart is very hard. <laughs> like heart, you need to think about the valves, and you need to think about the electroconductivity of the tissue organ. You don't, you need to think about the blood vessels to form. Because yes, one of the limitations of the bioprinting, it's still we trying to form these blood vessels. You know, like uh, to get through this blood vessels, it's not very easily or not now can be formed. You know, with the bioprinters. So that's also main limitation. We're still in the process of doing this. So we, you have the heart. You have even if you think about the lungs. You know, you need to think about the small airways inside your lungs. And yeah, I could say that bone is one of the easiest uh, organs. You know. All right. Um, have you come across any ethical dilemmas during your studies um, in this field so far? So personally to you uh, okay for us no we don't have any problems with ethicals but uh, the only thing that we need to make sure about the ethical approval that's what we we need to think about okay so how many animals will use uh, what is the environment we will put the animal in you know so that's the um, especially you know you need to think also about the, the food even in the ethical approval documentation you need to think about what you're going to feed them what is the environment that you're going to put the animal in and uh, are you going to uh, like uh, put them in um, you're going to you're going to kill the whole animal or you're going to just you know put in a, in um, in a stadia and then you take just part of it or not so you need to think about different um, yes the procedures is going to be during the testing yes that's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So you luckily, you didn't have any issues like that with people coming at you and trying to make mm-hmm. your life difficult. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so the final question was about whole blood. Now, the, this one medical student wanted to know if you can actually manufacture whole blood. Uh, we know with all the, the platelets and the white and red blood cells incorporated like is that would that be possible it's very very smart question you know like oh i didn't think about it yeah <laughs> that's awesome i'll tell her yeah. <laughs> she'll probably yeah. listen to this <laughs> now she was sp- thinking specifically like for jehovah uh, patients and you know people that have problems with blood transfusion okay so for for whole blood uh if you think about it like uh by printing i don't think bright printer can do this 
because by printing they are more in, more to doing you know the solid part and the microstructures yes. and pores you know so yes. yeah. but but we can manufacture blood in the lab in i, I heard one of uh, the labs in china they they do like uh, whole blood and but in the lab i don't know how they do it but um but it's not with the 3d by printer wow that's actually incredible i didn't know that so that's definitely something i'll go look yeah. look into after this but wow i did i thought that was just like yeah. a you know like a cool imaginative question but i didn't really think that there's actually studies that's <laughs> doing it now yeah yeah i i, I, I yeah i read one of the the, the articles that was talking about this and i think people they will really think about it because we really need uh, a plant transfusion and we need it in a lot of applications, you know, in different types of diseases. We need blood, you know, and um, but you know, it, yeah. it it has its own difficulties. Also, you need to think about the blood group and if it's gonna be immune or if a person can get immune from it or not. So, but it can be yeah, with stem cells. You know what? Yeah, we can work it with stem cells also. Why not? This type of field, I feel, is going to change or is already changing lives. You know, it's just one of those. Uh, medical fields that I feel needs a lot of attention and um, you know support from everyone from the public and just like to create awareness I feel yeah. it's such a promising yeah. field I'm so excited about it yeah and I'm so glad that we have people like you that are so interested in, in and hardworking and you know works in this field with a passion <laughs> uh, it was such an honor yeah. to speak to you and I'm really really glad that you gave me your time it's my honor it's actually my honor to be with you I'm so so you don't know I'm so glad to just meet you and talk to you and we now friends you know we can talk about the spending now the <laughs> spending and teacher engineering <laughs> I came across you on Instagram it was such a like weird just organic um, way of just like reaching out to you and your instant messages I was so shocked you know that you actually responded so thank you for that i really appreciate it you know when you talked to me about it i was like wow that's so nice you know someone to to <laughs> to think about it and trying to get science you know because that's a problem with science you know we want people to communicate uh what it's about what is the field is and that's what actually i'm trying to do in my instagram you know so i'm trying yeah. to share about what is science uh, i'm really interested in science communication and I want people yes. to get into us, you know. And it's yeah. brilliant what you're doing on Instagram as well, because I feel the the news are coming from the wrong angle, from the wrong people. It's not coming straight from the researchers, and they the information gets warped. Um, you know, only the the half of it is told, and then it yeah. So I'm I'm glad it's coming straight from the researcher, mm -hmm. and um, you know you're cutting yeah. out that middleman, and the information is more clear and precise. But this was such a special episode i think people are going to enjoy it a lot but thank you very very much for your time thank you you too and, uh, you too i hope you enjoy the rest of your day thank you very much Hamza. Oh, thank bye. you Alicia. okay so i'll see you bye